Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm so grateful for this time you've given me with my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we get to uplift the name of Jesus, Lord, that we get to partake in your word and we get to hear, Lord, what your spirit might deliver unto us. I pray that no man's heart gets glorified, Lord. I pray that no flesh be glorified. I pray that we hear from the Spirit of God, Lord, and I pray that you bring edification to every single person in attendance. For all those who are listening, Lord, for all things that you want to do within this ministry and without, I pray for my brethren today. I pray for my brother and sister, Sam and Deborah, Lord, for all that you're about to do with them, for all that you are commanding them. I pray in Jesus' name that you make their paths clear, that they might see and believe what you have called them to do. I pray for my brother James, Lord, with all that he's going through in his life. I pray that you build him up, and I pray that his purpose becomes so clear in what you want him to do, and that you protect him, Lord, from all unrighteousness. I pray for my sister Sarah, Lord, with everything that she's going through in her life. Lord, she's having pains in her body. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that she be healed, that she be set free and released from the bondage that this physical carnal life, Lord, and the influences of the enemy might put on her. Cover her in your armor that she might be covered and have no more pain. I pray for my brother Carlin, who has accepted new responsibility of his life in the body of Christ, that you set him free, that you give him all understanding and everything that he will need, Lord, that he might be a faithful steward. And my brother Martin, Lord, I pray over him. I pray that you give him more of his spirit, of your spirit, that he might follow you and do all that is called. And I pray for the brethren who couldn't make it today. I pray for our sister Aline, Lord, who has a a father, Lord, that is battling cancer right now. And I pray for my friend, Lord, that that is suffering with breast cancer and other things that are going on. I pray that you deliver these people, Lord, and we need a strong presence of the Holy Ghost, that every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, Every spirit of confusion, jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief will be bound, Lord, and thrown under your cross and crushed, Lord, and cast down. Lord, Lord, I pray that you do these things for your glory and your honor. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and you are worthy of all praises. Do it, Lord, because you can and because you will. And because we need you, Lord, in this time. For these are the times that try men's souls, Lord. And I just pray that you keep us upright and fit and prepared for the battle. As we learn tonight, Lord, what a soldier in Jesus Christ is all about. Do it, Lord, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Endure Hardness as a Good Soldier of Christ. This is the third part of this uh, four-part series that we're doing.
you remember first we covered um, what discernment was about. Then second, we began to cover um, about wings of doctrine, things that we ought to have, that we ought to know so that we aren't influenced by the enemy. And that's why we have to study ourselves. We have to be led of the Spirit of God in discerning what we need to. And tonight we're going to talk about being soldiers because I believe a true soldier in Christ will wield the proper weapons and the sword. He will be covered in the armor, which is Jesus Christ, and he will have the discernment because that's what the helmet of salvation is all about. It protects the mind. So um, let's just get into it. Let's go into, uh, let's go to Isaiah 25 and let's uh, start at verse 1. I want to look at a few things concerning that, but you know, this thing is so foreign to us today as far as being soldiers for Christ, because everyone would say, okay, well, what does that look like? Is a soldier in Christ bold? Is a soldier in Christ, you know, loving? Is a soldier in Christ, um, how can you put it, you know, just the way that everybody would, would expect one to be? I think the answer to that question is to be full of Christ, to be Christ-like. Because Jesus was no doubt a soldier when you look at what the things that he had done, how he had come into the world, how he had set captives free, how he bind the broken heart, how he healed them that are bruised. And these are things that soldiers will do. And he did manifest himself in the flesh that the works of the devil might be destroyed. So when that, when they talk about, um, you know, war and these things and um, dominion and power and things that the Lord wants us to have, and he talks about our godly inheritance, and Paul tells us to run a race with patience. These all sound like things that you know soldiers will have to endure. So I want to get started in um, Isaiah 25, and we're going to begin at verse one. But we're going to get a glimpse of you know what a believer in Christ would go through, and how he would call on his Lord. So if anyone has anything to add, they can. If not, let's just get right in it. This is Isaiah 25. We'll begin at verse one. And he says, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things, thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. So we know right away that this is Jesus Christ, because Jesus is known to be faithful and true, okay? These are things that we will need, but anyone that decides to pursue the Lord will definitely exalt the name of Jesus, will praise his name, and we will, you know, know that he is faithful and true. The more battles you go through with Christ, the more that he reveals to us, the more faith that he gives us, this is the only conclusion you can come to concerning Jesus. And if you know he's faithful and true, who wouldn't do something for someone who was true and faithful? So this all begins in how we see him. Verse 2, For thou hast made of a city, and heap of a defense city, a ruin, a palace of strangers, to be no city, it shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee, the city of the terrible nation shall fear thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, and a blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. And that's why, you know, when you look at Jesus, considering what a conqueror he was, you ever notice that many things that were spoken of him in the Old Testament, that he performed those miracles in the New, when it says that he is a refuge from the storm, you remember in Matthew 14, 
when he was out there with the disciples and he was on the boat with them and he's sleeping. He's in heavenly peace and these guys have seen water go in the boat and oh master we perish. And he said oh ye of little faith and what did he do? He turned, he rebuked the winds and what happened next? He said there was a calm that came over. He said peace be still. And they said what manner of man can have the elements, can have the seas obey him or the winds. So this is something that we've got to recognize that this is Jesus Christ that we're speaking of. So it says, um, uh, let's see, I think I'm in verse 6. So it says, as in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a, fe a feast of wines on the lees of fat things, full of marrow and wines on the lees well refined. So what could we be speaking about with all this wine, with all this fullness of marrow? Now you remember that there's, um, uh, what is it, uh, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 and 12 talked about what? That the word of God is powerful and quick and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even unto the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the intents of the heart. So we know that this is the word of God. This is the Holy Ghost that he's speaking about, the new wine. But it's also saying that it would be well refined because what does the Holy Ghost come to do? He comes to refine us, to, to purify us, to sanctify us that we might be like Christ. And he will destroy in this, in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off the, all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. So we got to understand this too. When it talked about the veil in verse 7, now remember when Jesus died that the veil was rent, the temple, because God meant for us to have a personal relationship with him. So when the veil is taken back unto all nations, then you know he's talking about the Holy Ghost of God, the revelation of Christ that all might receive him, Jew or Gentile. Yeah, Martin. So this is definitely prophecy, what Isaiah is talking about, because I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't say Jesus, but it, it says God. Mm -hmm. But we know that it's because in Isaiah 53, he talks mm -hmm. about what Jesus really looked like. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, he's just prophesying what's going to happen in the future. Pretty much. You know, Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. New Testament, Jesus Christ revealed. So, I mean, it's just like everything that they talked about, even when they talked of noble vines and things like that, right. The Lord has also, um, you know, Jesus said, I am the true vine. When they say that a great light would shine and things would happen, you know, he's talking about that. Oh, you guys all right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So he was talking about, you know, great lights and everything that would come, that would come unto the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. When Moses came and remember and said, who shall I say sent me? And the Lord, the burning bush said, you tell them I am that I am. I am who I am. So what does that also mean? You know, Jesus said when they, you remember when they said, how can you be uh, yet 50 years old? You're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, before Abraham was, I am. So he was making it clear that he wasn't, I mean, you know, he didn't act outside of the will of his father. But remember, God the Father was done dealing with man. God the Father didn't deal with man. This was always Jesus Christ that came 
in the, in the form of God or in the presence of the image of God to reveal himself to man. But once Adam and Eve sinned, there was no more God the Father interacting with man. You know, it was Jesus Christ that was sent as the mouthpiece that man might understand God better. So this is this can be like scary to some because if if that was the process of when Adam and Eve when man sinned and mm -hmm. they lost the favor of, of, of the Father, mm -hmm. God, he then uh, sent the second, which is the Son. Mm -hmm. And after the second, there is no one else. That's like, right. That's it. Like you lost right. it. Mm -hmm. If it was the same process of um, let's see, Adam. After mm -hmm. Adam uh, did what he did, and then Jesus came, which is the perfect one, and after after that, there was nobody else. Absolutely. After the second, that's it. No, you're so right. And I like what it says here in um, verse 8, when it talks about, actually, it was a little before then, but he talks about uh, the sting of death, you know, would be taken away. And, the swallow of death and victory. Yeah, where is that? Uh, eight. Oh, it's in 8, okay. Oh, yeah, he said he will swallow up death in victory. So when you think about us being soldiers for Jesus and you think about the fact that death is something that most people fear. I mean, even as a believer, some people worry about that. But we're going to learn, you know, in enduring hardness as a soldier of Christ, he's going to elevate you past that. I mean, imagine death having no dominion over you. And that's what every Christian should know and believe. Because Jesus said, I have the keys of death and hell. Jesus, when he died, went down into the earth to minister unto the spirits, to let them know, hey, Satan doesn't have his way. I've got the keys. I've got the authority. But see, as we become good soldiers of Christ and we go forward in that, he reveals that more and more to us. So a Christian should not fear death. A Christian should embrace it. Once dying out to self, two, you know, having eternal life with Jesus Christ. That's something that we got to know. But if you're still alive to self, you'll know it because the threats of this world will keep you from serving Jesus. All right. So verse nine, it says, and it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. And those are in all caps. So Jehovah Witnesses cannot say that this was God the Father. All right. So it says that the Lord, we have waited for him. Uh, we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, and Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill. Now, you know, the Moabites were fierce enemies of the children of Israel. They were from the seed of Lot. But they had always teamed up with the giants and other groups to try and get rid of the children of Israel. So he's saying that even Moab will be trodden down, verse 11. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them. And he that swimmeth spreadeth forth his hands to swim. And he shall bring down their pride together with the spoils of their hands. And the fortress of the high fort of thy walls shall he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, even to the dust. So this is what God is promising. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We've got to recognize that as we are soldiers for Christ, that we are trying to set captives free. We are here to try and bind up broken hearts, to introduce people to Jesus that they might be set free. Many of us have family members and friends that are behind enemy lines. They're captives. You know, in, in, in many cases, they don't even want to be set free. 
And this is why God is calling for his soldiers. He's calling for people that are willing to serve him and give him a body. Because what does Jesus want more than anything? He wants souls saved. That's more important to him than you making a million dollars and succeeding in this life. He wants souls saved. We give him the body and he lives in us. His work will be done. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I don't mean to get this excited this early, man. I'm just, you know. This is one of those things where, oh yeah, right? Right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And, you know, the Lord showed me something concerning this, uh, these next few verses. The Lord just told me, you know, take every word that is in these next uh, four verses and just look up the meaning of them because they're going to mean something different in the Greek than they do in the English. Sometimes the English, no, no disrespect at all, but it doesn't really put the emphasis necessary for you to get a real understanding as to, and I'm not saying it's ignorance, but, right. But one thing about the Hebrew language is one word can have seven different meanings. So, you know, it's a more complete um, uh, language. Where in this language, we only have few words to make it to make a point. So this is, uh, let me get there real quick. All right, 2 Timothy uh, 2, and we'll begin at verse 1. All right, so he says, Thou therefore, my son. Now remember, Timothy is an apprentice of Paul. He's a young minister trying to get involved. So everything that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is saying to Timothy this is instruction. So we can't look at this like this is far-fetched and this is not us. If we be involved in the ministry, then everything Paul's saying to Timothy applies to us as well. So he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of, of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So what is Paul making Timothy um, understand here? He said, hey, you know, be strong in the grace of Christ. And even as you have heard some of the things that I have done, you know, you've heard some of the things that I have done. He's saying, um, among many witnesses, the same commit thou. So you commit yourself also to faithful men. And then he, exactly, like disciple. Then he says, who shall be able to teach others also? So what are we doing? We're passing on the doctrine of Jesus Christ. God gave it to Paul. Paul gave it to Timothy. Timothy gave it to whomever in the church of, of Ephesus. And, you know, they continuously brought it forward. So we have a lineage to live up to here. But look at verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I looked up endure hardness. This is funny. This is the uh, Greek word G2553 and the um, phonetic is kapotheko, kapotheo or something like that. And it says to suffer, endure evils, hardships, troubles, to be afflicted. Then it says uh, the suffering of evil, trouble, distress, affliction. But it's just something to think about because, you know, a lot of people believe to be in Christ, you have to be someone that is, you know, totally at peace with the Lord. And you can be. 
but you are going to suffer the conflict. Things are going to come your way. If you're a threat to the enemy, he's going to try and punch back. But that's not being taught today. Then he says, as a good soldier. So I looked up the word soldier, and it says a common soldier. And look at the second meaning. This one I love. Metaphorically, a champion of the cause of Christ. Mm -hmm. So when you are a champion of the cause of Christ, you're a soldier that is intended to do battle for Christ and to conquer many of the works that the devil is doing that Christ might be glorified. Amen. So when you hear that, that ought to get your blood boiling because it's like, hey, he's saying that you've got to be a champion in this to endure. Like a gladiator. And that's, that's the uh, Greek word, G4757, exactly. So then he says, um, all right, and then he says, for no man that warreth, that wars for Christ, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. So look at entangleth himself. This is the word G1707. And the word is implico, and it means to inweave of a thing, to entangle, involve it. Then he mentions... That's a Romanian word, too. In, oh, really? Implico. Oh, wow. So then it means in, by, or with. So it means to be associated with that. And then there's another one oh. here, and it says to plate, braid, or weave together. Let's understand that. Because he's saying for no man that wars for Christ entangles himself, interweaves himself with the affairs of this life. Okay, so we got to understand that. Yes, Sarah, make your point. Well, when you said in, just like when they, the mark of the beast comes, it will be in the right hand of the forehead. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much the same thing. So you, that in could be like you're entangling yourself mm -hmm. with the beast. Mm -hmm. So this is with the affairs, and this, this is the word, uh, Greek word, G4230, and the word is pragmatia, and it means prosecution of any affair, business, or occupation. Now, you know, like I said, I know this is going to hit home with a lot of things tonight. I'm feeling it myself when I, when I read this, but we've got to understand something concerning enduring hardness as a good soldier of Christ. Now, when you look at these words and you think about what Jesus did when he found his disciples, he moved them from society only that they might serve him and do his will. Am I telling everybody to do that now? No. Okay, because it's not up for me to tell anyone anything. But the point that I'm making is he says that no man that warreth for Christ that is going to get in this thing can entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may do what? Please Jesus, who has chosen you to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. Now, these are all graduation words. These are all words that are full of Christ. When, when Christ lives in you, these things will be done. But he's saying for Jesus Christ to be pleased that his people are not entangled with the affairs of this life. And I think that's why eventually, like I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm starting to lose the love for all this. I go to work and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, if it wasn't for the money, what's the point? I don't want to be someone in society. I want to serve the Lord. I want Him to be glorified. I don't want to mess around with my salvation, get entangled in something, and, you know, each day is not promised to a man. So I'm praying every day that the Lord delivers me from this because I think what He, what Paul said is what was spoken loud and clear. But if we are 21st century Christians today, 
we can put our little spin on it. Well, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Then why did Jesus say that few there be that find the way? Now, I'm talking to everybody out there. Hey, this is a process of growing in grace. This isn't to do something foolish and go and live your life. But this ought to give us an indication of how serious salvation is and how important God wants um, souls to be saved. Pulling every person. I mean, Matthew, he pulled him. He pulled John and James from their family. Peter, you're a fisherman. I'll make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. And, you know, it's just something. Even when the young rich man with all his possessions in Matthew 20 or 19 said, what must I do to be, you know, Jesus said, well, he laid down all the Ten Commandments. And the guy said, man, I've kept these from my youth. The Lord said, okay, if thou will be perfect, meaning what? Christ in you. Sell everything you have and come and follow me. And the young man turned away because he had great possessions. Indeed, Sorry, sorrow. bro. Exactly. He loved the world. Sorry, man. Yeah, back to our conversation we had a while back at the study, you know, and mm -hmm. talked about, you know, is it okay to have a two-bedroom apartment and, you know, and have a job? It's like, you remember mm -hmm. we talked about that? It's mm -hmm. like, I mean, if you didn't have the job at, at the school, you couldn't afford this apartment and you couldn't really do much. So it's like, how do you do it? And like, how do you get to a point where you're, you're just like these guys? Like, well, I'll put how it do we you. do this in our society? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I believe that when they were walking with Jesus, the disciples weren't perfect either. Mm -hmm. They were walking with Christ for three and a half years. He taught them about the spiritual mind versus the physical. From there, as you can see, Acts the second chapter, there was no more of that, what should we do? These guys believed the Lord. They had Christ in them. But to answer your question, it's about walking with Jesus, growing in him, tarrying until we be endowed with power. But the one thing that if he's the same Jesus that pulled these guys, then he will be the same Jesus that will indwell you. Now, I know this is hard, but you said afford it. Jesus pulled two coins out of a fish's mouth. <laughs> Jesus broke bread from heaven and manna fell, you know, and, and people were fed, 5,000. Now, some people say, but yeah, I'm not him and I'm not doing that. But we are to tarry until we are perfected in Christ. But to answer your question, even if it isn't manna falling from heaven, the Lord will make a way. Mm -hmm. He will make a way. Just how when we started in the ministry, hey, the Lord just told me, get it started. I didn't know I was going to meet Martin. I didn't know I was going to be a part of you guys' Bible study. And Martin came up with the idea of putting it on YouTube and other things like that. Now there's a guy in Cincinnati calling. Um, I got an interview with him uh, uh, Thursday, you know, radio station. Guy heard the things. He likes them. He, you know, he, he says, hey, I'm a brother in the Lord. I'm learning. He wants to do it. I had to pray about it. But God will always make a way for those who are of him. All things are possible to them that believe. If he said you are to have the faith that you can tell this mountain, be thou removed, Jesus wasn't kidding. That wasn't some metaphor that he was bringing forward. He said if you believe, and of course if it's at the will of God, these things will be done. So I do believe we are to be directed by the Lord. We are to grow in him. But, you know, back to what we talked about that day, think about it. If the Antichrist has already got his system, and he's already saying, for those who want me, I mean, for those who are of Christ, hey, you're not going to be able to be in unless you receive a mark, or you won't be able to buy or sell. It seems like the devil's plan is to cut us anyways. So what do we ought to do? Have our minds detached from this that we might serve Christ. So when things like this happen, hey, well, I wasn't relying on a system anyway. 
Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but you see the devil is ready or not, here I come. That's right. Ready or not. I don't care if you believe that and you love Jesus and you ain't got the faith yet, unless you receive a mark, you won't be able to buy or sell. Now, who are we expecting to take care of us in that day? Jesus it's got to be Jesus. He's not going to leave his people to starve. Times might be hard, but one thing he's going to do is show his glory through his people. And that's why we will be present in evil times only to demonstrate Jesus Christ that more people might get saved. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but this thing is about growing in faith. So if we're trying to see it from where we are now, pray for more faith. Because Jesus said greater works will he do than I did when I was here. I'm looking forward to that. I can't speak for anybody else. The one thing I want is Jesus living in me. I want him to be revealed in me that no matter what gets done, I mean, there'll be no difference from me and anyone else in this book. Because when he said we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are involved in this, that have done great things without the Holy Ghost. Hey, then I want my plaque and my title, too. Not for my greed. That Jesus Christ might be glorified. We're going to be sitting with David. We're going to be sitting with Paul. We're going to be sitting with Peter. We're going to be sitting with Daniel and all those great witnesses that did what they did in Christ. And guess what? I want to be sitting there amongst them and, and being qualified to walk that walk because I have given it all to Christ. Now, I'm not saying for anybody to do this now. We know that this is something that we've got to grow in the spirit for. But one thing I'm not going to do is sell short my inheritance. If Jesus Christ said that we can do it, then it can be done. All things are possible to him that believe. So, you know, yeah, all right. It's great that we have this to answer your question, the apartment and everything. And, you know, we're able to have studies here. But, you know, one day they're going to be kicking in that door and they're going to want to know who's who. There's times the spirit may tell you, man, go off into the wilderness. You know, go minister on the streets. He said, I called you lively stones, not one stuck to a building. You know, so we've got to become alive in Christ that his will might be done. And this is all a process, okay? But the point I'm making is that's the end game for me. I can't speak for anyone else. Yes, sir, sir. One of the reasons why I'm looking forward to that time of persecution and everything like that is because I believe that more people will get saved mm -hmm. during that time, especially the people that you've been talking to over and over. They're going to need to see what hard times are going to be like, like yeah. and that your faith can only be in Jesus Christ. That's those occasions that's going to come against people. That's right. Second Timothy, I mean, Second Corinthians chapter 11, what did it say? He said, you know, I've been in hardships. I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been naked. I've been robbed. I've had 40 or whatever lashes wept upon my back. So Paul has been, you know, out in the cold, freezing too with nothing. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not trying to paint pictures that are not pretty. The point of the matter is Paul says, for all who will live godly will suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So if you're a Christian, man, it's guaranteed that you're going to have to get in the fight. Maybe not now, but eventually your number will be called. The devil is going to attack the church and God is going to let him because we need to be tried. God needs to know which side you are on. Because a lot of people are hiding their faith on the fence. You know, man, I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian, man. I'm not trying to cause any trouble. The Lord is going to knock you off the fence and you're going to have to choose. The, the devil owns the fence. 
Exactly. <laughs> right, because Jesus never put it there. You're absolutely right. Yeah, just so, like that verse of literature, yea, be yeas, and nays be nays. That's right. Mm -hmm. And everything else is from the devil. Right. That's what he says. No, absolutely right. So I'm not trying to speak strong to anybody in here. I'm just making a point that if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I believe, this is my faith, that he will come through in those times. Amen. Because he says that the, the temporal world are things that are visible. The, the, um, the invisible world is that which is eternal. So as we walk by faith and not by sight, pursuing Christ, man, he's going to do what he needs to do in us. And I'm looking forward to giving him that body that he might work. Amen. Right now, this is just a base camp. This is training. But see, when we hit the streets, man, we're going to be full of the spirit. And God is going to take care of his people. Sorry, bro. Oh, yeah. I was just going to add on to what you are saying. I yeah. agree with you with how we have to give everything up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's no doubt. Um, yeah. I've also, I've also seen God move in different ways, uh, even with material and mm -hmm. the things that he's given. Absolutely. Um, in, in my life, you know, saving for everyone else's life, in my life, I've seen him give me things that usually that person will take that thing and put it on a pedestal and idolize it. And me, I, I know the Lord's given it to me. And it's like, uh, it's actually built my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. you know, every time I see it, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an altar for me, for the Lord, that mm -hmm. what the Lord has done for me and my family. Mm -hmm. So every time somebody brings it up and tries to give me credit or give me pride, you know, pump my pride up or give me glory, I always say, oh, man, that's actually an altar. You see, you misread that. Mm -hmm. That's for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And they just, you know, it puts them in this vulnerable position where they, they were expecting something and I, they actually leaned out and I just kind of, I took that advantage of that vulnerability to, mm -hmm. to proclaim the Lord into their life. Mm -hmm. And more people have been saved through, uh, you know, the blessing of my wedding, how awesome that my wedding was, how everything was provided for. Mm -hmm. uh, that testimony itself has sucked so many people. More people have been saved and, and encouraged by me having like this nice motorcycle, uh, just like random material. But so many people like have been blessed said, by. Thank you, Lord, for my car or something like that. <laughs> right, more people have been blessed by those testimonies because they're like, "Hey, nice, nice bike," and they're expecting like, "Oh yeah, you know, thanks, blah blah blah." I'm just like. No, man, the Lord bless me with that. Let me tell you this story. Well, if you're someone that could give it all to the Lord, be it material or otherwise, then amen. And because that's be what it's about. Too. Because none of these yeah, things none of these things yeah. should mean anything to yeah. us. Yeah. See, I'm in this mode like this. Like let's just say I go and talk to properties manager and he says something about, Well, as far as I'm concerned, you guys can't have studies here anymore, or you can find yourself another place to live. Guess what? I'll find another place. Praise to live. God. That's Girl how I feel about this. Yeah. So when you talk about Jesus or you got a problem with him, any enemy of his is an enemy of mine. That's right. And that's how I'm viewing it. That's and right. forget that. And then you will be tested when you get those things. It's like, oh yeah, it's all for the Lord. If there's anything in your heart that is worshiping that thing, God will test you. He'll crash right. that car. I dropped my bike. Mm -hmm. I was like, Lord, why? And he's like, well, you liked it just a little too much. It took a little too much of your time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, well, I still... I still want to scratch on that. Exactly. You know, I'm like, I still... <laughs> Gives a character. Exactly. Mm -hmm. so, you will be tested. I do believe that you can't have it. Because the way people feel about the world and things like that, man, I feel that way about Jesus. You know, I feel that way. Like, if somebody talks about, you know... Well, look at the dent in your car and you get in a fight with the person or something. That's your God. Yeah. Whatever you stand up for and you defend is your God. Yes. So if Jesus Christ is my is my Lord and Savior, 
if you got a problem with him, you got a problem with me. You yeah. know, it's mostly pride. pride. Finish real quick. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not the death of cards, but pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pride gets hurt. You will be pride tested. of life. Right. And you, as just like that man in the Bible that was asked to put it all down. Mm-hmm. When it comes to that point, you know, you have more stuff to put down. Mm-hmm. So you have to think of that one. You have to be willing to put it down. We got to do it all. You gotta be willing to part with this stuff because like he said, many people that Can are in the world will fall into foolish and, and hurtful lust. Remember, they drown themselves through in many sorrows. He was also telling Timothy this. Now think about it. If he's talking to the same Timothy and he mentioned that here, why do you go to first Timothy six and he says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. But he said that godliness with contentment is great gain. But he never mentions about all the things that you can have. And I believe a real person of Christ, they will know how to manage that. But there's also been millions of people snared by believing that. You know how many pastors are corrupt today because they believe they could take the money to and serve the Lord? Not recognizing, oh, there came a point where I'm starting to go left. They're starting to demand more of me. But you know what they convinced themselves? No, no, no. I'm still serving the Lord. Everything is fine. I'll just do this, but I won't compromise that value. But I'm here to tell anybody, if you compromise one value that Jesus Christ gives you for the enemy, then you've compromised them all. Because there is a chink in your armor that the enemy will come in. If you forsake one thing, or there's one thing in ministry that you won't discuss because it might hurt another, you've compromised them all. I'm telling you. you, This is how uh, ministries get divided and people start talking about, well, I believe some of it. But maybe this might not be true. Hey, I believe everything that this word says, even if I haven't fully mastered it yet. I've already come to the conclusion God's word is true. Yes, there there are two things. Um, One is uh, a little leaving. And then there's a second one is that when, when Jesus was speaking to the man that was saying he did all these things and all these he kept, Christ said... Um, if thou wilt be perfect, sell all that you have mm-hmm. and follow me. Mm-hmm. That was essentially um, this man getting rid of his appetite for these mm-hmm. things. It's a lot of people might feel that um, their their appetite is misplaced. The appetite should be Christ Jesus and not towards certain things in this world. Mm-hmm. And so, when you're stripped of those things because you feed it, you you feed that hunger. You you're only building more and more and more. So the time when the time comes of you being stripped, it's going to be hard for you. Exactly. You won't, you won't, it's going to be hard for you to let it go. Harder, yeah. So he says, uh, essentially, when you have possessions and you don't let it go, when you continue to feed it, those things possess you. So it's hard for you to get rid of it and let it go. So that's that's essentially I the mean, thing Jesus, too. Well, yeah, Jesus can sum it up in one shot. Jesus can sum it up in one shot when he says, what is the first and great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, and all of thy strength. What is the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. So that tells us right then and there. And there are many things that we have that keep us from loving our neighbor right. Because, you know, it becomes our possession instead of the Lord's. Especially you know? in American culture, too. Oh, big time. Yeah. America is like, you know, the whore of Babylon. I mean, it's really where it is today. But anyway, let's continue because we're way off right now. But it says, this is verse 5, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet it is he crowned, except he strive lawfully, or he is not crowned. 
So, you know, there are things that we need to do concerning the Lord. Now, right after he mentions verse 4 about no man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, he says in 5, and if a man also strive for masteries, like strive to achieve or gain things, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. So why is he saying this? Because he's saying that if you're going by other means outside of Christ or outside of the direction of Christ to gain, you're not striving lawfully. You're in bed with Jesus and you're in bed with the harlot. This is what he's bringing forward. Look at verse 6. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ uh, of the remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the gospel. Wherefore I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, even in prison. But the word of God is not bound. So no matter where Paul is, he's going to preach the gospel. But he's talking about suffering, and he's speaking of hardship yeah. right after what we just talked about. I got a question. I, I just read this not too long about the husbandman that labors mm -hmm. uh, must be the first partaker of the fruits. Uh -huh. I, I always thought that you just you, you give your way. I mean, is that like the... Like, not the best fruits. That's why he's, he's mm -hmm. partaking first. If they were the best fruit, would you, like, give them away? Or, mm -hmm. well, you know, the other scripture about the giving away the... Right, but it also means, like, you got to be organically grown. When Jesus, when the Bible makes clear that Jesus himself was the first fruits of his kind, that means that others would follow him. You know, if Jesus was the first, then there would be other fruit that would pursue him. So, you know, it is kind of like walking a life like Christ. So these fruit need to be grown in us that we might be righteous for Christ. And Hebrews you know? says he's the first among many brothers. That's right. So that means that there would be others that would follow. Yeah, and I, I think it's an honor, really, to have Jesus consider us that we can be like him. Right. I mean, that's an honor. I'm not knocking that down. All I want the Lord to do is live in me and let's get the job going. Because if I get to be with the creator and the creator lives in me yeah. and the creator is out there you know, in me, 2018, winning souls and his miracles and all his works being done. Man, that's what I want. This is verse 7. Consider what... Did I answer your question or no? I'm trying to figure out this because there's no more tithing in the second or in the New Testament. Is that why? Well, when he says the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits... Like, in other words, you've got to bear what Jesus Christ bared, you know, like to be with him. Jesus was the one that was in the world that first did it, that he might be an example. And if we are going to be of Christ, we've got to partake of the fruit of Christ. You know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. And like the Bible says, for such, there is no law. And it almost... Like if you wanted to, if you could, like if it could be reverted to get an understanding, mm -hmm. it could say before you labor, you must first partake of the fruits first Absolutely. before you be a laborer. Because the uh, nine fruit of the yeah. spirit grow the twelve, the nine gifts of the spirit. So before Where you we get work, the power in the spirit the to do the work is from the nine fruit that we have to have grown yeah. in us. All right, let me get going. Verse eight or verse seven. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So when you hear terms like this, this is meaning it's going to take wisdom to grab this. When he says, let him have understanding. Verse 8, 
Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. So why is he enduring? For the people. He loves his neighbor, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he's putting himself in harm's way, being led by the Spirit unto all affliction, that people might get saved. Verse 11, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So we got to understand that he's holding us to the standard of suffering. Now, everyone can join their own, you know, put their own conclusion on what they think this suffering is. I believe that as the apostles, as those who follow Christ suffered, we must suffer. You know, that's what he's saying. Verse 13. I mean, think about it. What did any of the disciples do that they didn't do like Christ? You know, not one suffering. From the sound of things I've heard uh, in this book, Fox Book of Martyrs, when the Lord described Peter's death, Peter was... They claim crucified upside down, but that's also a symbol for Antichrist. So you got to be careful with that, with the upside down cross. But when you think about James being pierced through, when you think about others dying in prison, you know, and other things going on, that martyrdom, like being a faithful witness, is the word martyrio in the Greek, which stands for martyr. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be martyred, all of us, but if we stand for Christ, it is almost certain. Think about it. If we were so bold in Christ as soldiers, and I'm talking about everybody waiting for the great tribulation, I want y'all to think about this. All right, you go to work and you tell the boss his need for Jesus. He might fight back or whatever, but you you stand there in the faith. You get fired. Okay, so from there, you take it to another job. You do that, you get fired. Okay, so then you go up to the courthouse. You go to police. You go to everybody and you tell them the truth. You go into cults, people, Muslim groups and others. Know those that you know hate Jesus, but your love for him is so strong that nothing is going to stop you from ministering. Where do you think you're going to end up living a life like that? Worse than that. You know, it'll lead you unto your death at some point because you're standing for Jesus in every single way. These apostles, they didn't hide their faith. You know, they performed miracles. They gave people a chance to get saved. But I want people to think about this. If we give Jesus 100, where do you think it's going to land you? If we're afraid to speak up now, that ought to answer the question. If you're afraid to lose little things, what happens if we get bold in Christ? Hey, I'm not trying to paint pictures of despair or, man, this is the end game. What I want to do tonight is talk about how we can be soldiers for Jesus Christ and what we are going to need to be effective to be in this. If, if a person doesn't feel like they need to be a soldier for Christ, hey, this is not for you. You know, perhaps this is just not something that you can see yourself in. And that's why Jesus told them in Luke 14, count the cost. See if you have sufficient enough in it. He even talked about in that verse, mothers and fathers will turn on you, relatives. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. He said he came not to bring peace but a sword because he knew that standing for him can cost you. So I'm just, I'm just bringing this point forward that 
we understand that to stand for Jesus is very serious business. To call ourselves Christians and come up under the banner of Christ is serious business, you know? Even so much so that when you do communion, you got to be seen as worthy to do so because he says that many get sick and many people are asleep because they have not been in union with Christ. All right? Now, let me make the point because I'm right now I feel like I'm just overboard right now, but I'm just trying to make the uh, point here. So he says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting um, of the hearers. Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase more ungodliness. So you see, he first tells them about what they need to, you know, what they can expect, what, what Timothy can expect to be a believer in Christ. But then when you go down to verse 16, he says, shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase more ungodliness. So, you know, a vain babbling would be something like, I'm once saved, always saved. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm here to represent the Lord. You know, well, I'm going to get pre-tribulation raptured out of here anyways, so what difference does it make? When you have that, that will bring ungodliness because it gives you the mindset of, I don't have to strive. And all this Bible talks about is, is striving, striving for Christ, running a race with patience, you know, enduring hardness as good soldiers. Verse 17, and their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom of Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already to overthrow the faith of some. So as you can see, this also sounds like a pre-tribulation rapture. This sounds like the Jehovah Witnesses that speak about, um, you know, that Jesus Christ already came back in 1914. You know, but he was invisible. Verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. What is iniquity? Let's look that up, because I want to make sure that this is right. I know iniquity to be the nature, that thing that is against God. But, um... Let's just get the proper word for it. So it says iniquity. This is G93. Injustice of a judge, unrighteousness of heart and life, a deed violating law and justice, act of unrighteousness. And then it has like a deeper meaning, descriptive of one who violates or has violated justice, unjust, unrighteous, sinful, and one of the deals fraudulently, or I mean, of one who deals fraudulently with others deceitful so you know in many cases let me just go on let me just but that's what it means but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor if a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So what does that mean? Not that some of us can't work for the Lord right now, but he says if we were to purge ourselves of these idols, 
this gold and silver. And I believe these are value systems. These are things that some might not consider too valuable, and other things are like someone's dream. He said if we were to purge ourselves of these, that we will be fit, vessels fit unto every good work. So we won't just be praying for people. We won't just be ministering to people that we would have the gifts actually flowing that people might believe God that much more. So when you're fit unto every good work, that is the fullness and the complete works of Christ, that he can live in a body that can do his will at any given time. And this is the thing that the world tries to shut off from us to keep us somewhat capped and not overflowing in Christ. Does that make sense? Or yeah. All right, so he says in 22... Exactly. You know, verse 22, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, and God... Um, if God, like perhaps peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover them themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. So as you can see, the devil has a lot of people captive, and he's saying that if we were to forsake the world and give it to Christ, that the devil wouldn't have a snare. When the devil came to Jesus offering him the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Jesus said, hey, the ruler of this world comes. He's got nothing in me because he has overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we've got to understand that this is how the Lord works, but it makes clear here that the devil is holding many people captive. So we can't even be soldiers for Jesus, one, if we don't love him, and two, if we don't love the brethren. It should bother us to see people out there in real anguish and real hurt and pain that are going through things that you know that only Jesus Christ is the answer for. So that's something that we ought to look at as in growing Christ in us. So let's talk about soldiers. Let's talk about weapons. Let's go to, uh, no matter of fact, since we're here, let's go to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Yeah, bro. I also get frustrated seeing those people that, that you keep saying Jesus to and they keep denying over mm -hmm. and over. Mm -hmm. And there's people like in other countries that are that are being bruised for Jesus, that are being beaten mm -hmm. for Jesus. That's right. It's like, man, I, I'm not going to spend my time like continuously reaching out to you. I'm going to pray for you. But after right. that, it's like you've made your decision and until you're ready, I'm just going to be right here, you know? Exactly. That, that's right. Jesus said, don't right. waste time. Shake the dust off your feet. Derek Prince even said he feels like, you know, we spend a lot of time and we got to recognize in order to cast out devils, salvation is for the desperate. It's for people who really want to be delivered. But if you're friendly with your demons, you can't deal with a demon like that. You know, a person won't be delivered. Right. But people have to be desperate for Jesus. They have to want him. Because other than that, in many ways, it's a waste of your time. The woman that poured the alabaster box on Jesus' head, she was desperate for redemption to be accepted. Her kind wasn't wanted anywhere, remember? Even they said, man, why could you be with a sinful woman? And Jesus said, man, she wiped my feet with her tears and anointed my head, and I've been sitting in your house, and you haven't done a thing for me. 
So, you know, it's all about those who were desperate. But if you notice, those who came after Jesus, man, they threw themselves down. Remember blind Bartimaeus and those guys, the two blind men screaming while Jesus was walking and people said, be quiet, the Messiah is coming. They screamed all the louder. Why? Because they were desperate for Christ. Exactly. That's the spirit of oppression telling them to be quiet. Like the religious people telling them, yeah, be quiet, you know, whatever. But you see, those who want Christ are desperate for Christ. And those are the ones that receive the gifts. When you're on your knees in prayer, when your heart is open and you're sincere, those are the people that the Lord will work with. But he will not put his anointing on a lazy person. Matthew 11, 11 says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violence take it by force. Take it by force. That's what we've been talking about. That means that the kingdom isn't just going to jump in your lap. How bad do you want it? How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do that Christ may form in you? And give yeah. up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You've yeah, got to right. continue. So this is uh, 2 Timothy 1. Sorry, guys. And this is verse 1. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. So Paul was making clear Timothy was raised in the faith. He knew his grandmother, you know, his mother Eunice, his grandmother Lois, or, you know, whomever, but Timothy is being taken to another place of discipleship. It's great that you believed and you've been in it all your life. Now I'm like, you know, bringing you in to where you can do the work yourself in Christ. So he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And we've got to understand this too. God has given us a gift, okay? And that's why he says, I put a treasure in earthen vessels. So what is the devil's plan? Keep you from getting to that treasure. Because if you continue to dig, if you continue to mine, if you continue to seek, ask, and knock, as the Bible says, with unshakable faith, then that vessel will crack open and you will hit pay dirt. You will be baptized in the Spirit and you will have the works of Christ living in you if you so choose. How bad do we want the treasure? It's there for us. But if we really want it, then we've got the mind for it. But I know a lot of people tell people, well, you got the Holy Ghost when you got baptized. You did. But the point is, is the Bible talks about having a fulfilling. You've got to seek the Holy Ghost of God. You've got to ask for God to come unto you that he works through you. Amen. You know, but they'll tell you, well, once you got it, that's it. Verse 7, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear. So if we got fear and anything is being said tonight or anything that is, and I want the Lord to check me too. If I'm speaking wrongly by his spirit, then Lord correct me. But he has not given us a spirit of fear. So when we have fear of to, to do the works of God or the things that he's asking for, they don't come from God. He says, but of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. So a sound mind, we would see things soberly. You know, we would get a realistic view of what this world is and what it's about. And how in many ways, you really can't obtain anything here. Even when they pulled to Jesus that question of marriage, remember? They said, well, what will happen if um, this person got married and this person? Whose wife will she be in heaven? Jesus said, man, they will be as the angels. They will be neither married nor given unto marriage. So who are we going to be married to in the future? Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying we can't be married now, of course, and things like that. But I'm just saying, overall, everything in this life is temporal except Christ. You everything. Sound, you sound more and more like Paul, man. <laughs> well, you know, hey, it's true, man. It's so true. When, when Solomon wrote 12 chapters of what is vanity, mm -hmm. it was pretty much everything in the world. What is vanity um, lim um, called? Like a breath, like a vapor. Like when it's cold outside and, you, mm -hmm. and your breath goes and fades. That's vanity. That's what he was referring to it as, that everything has its moment. Remember, the Bible even says that our lives are a vapor. Yeah. And I'm not trying to kill anyone's dreams and hopes here. The point I'm making is get a realistic, sound mind view Amen. of where you are and what you're doing and how much time you have is up to God. But get a realistic view of where we are when the Bible says the whole world lies in the wicked one, in wickedness. When he calls the devil the God of this world, Jesus wasn't lying, but he said of power and of love. The Bible says perfect love casteth out fear. So everybody wants to talk love. How many love beyond fear? Amen. How many love to say, you know what? It doesn't matter about my job. I'm here to win souls. Mm -hmm. How many love to the degree when you step out there for a gang and they could be the bloods of the Crips, but guess what? It doesn't matter. They need Jesus. How many can stand up to their pastor and tell them the truth and their need for Christ? But see, that's love. And everybody wants to take that and bury it because it's conflict. But they want to feel the emotion of love and I love everybody and I'm blessing this one and that one. But when it comes down to it, how many of us love beyond fear? Hey, I'm speaking to myself here. I'm not condemning anybody. I can't, I can't afford to. I'm fighting for my own soul. But how many can love beyond fear? And this is what it's about. He said, and of power. Man, don't you know the power is in love? Real love. Not in emotion. But in caring enough to see people saved. That's, right. That's where the power is. Where will you go? What won't you do for Jesus? Let's just move on. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And the armor. Oh, yeah. We should put that picture back up somewhere. I know. I want to. I just want to put a nail in the wall or something. Martin gave me that picture, guys, behind you with the full armor of God. Oh, I saw yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Also, when you're talking about people that say once you have the Holy Spirit, that's it, you have it. There's nothing you really need to do mm -hmm. with or through the Holy Spirit. You know, that dynamic reminds me of like just war it's a lot easier to fight someone who's not fighting back exactly yeah. mm -hmm. you, gotta, you don't need to fight that you don't need to do anything you don't need to fast you don't need to pray mm -hmm. you just you have everything you need like, you're yeah. good you're mm -hmm. you're in you're in heaven like, exactly <laughs> that's what they're teaching people and people are believing it i'm not saying you can earn your salvation you can't no way. you know but if you are if you have true faith in god you will be led unto good works by his spirit 
tell you, man, when people tell me about love, I, I love, they got no problem with love. But it's got to be a God bag. It's got to be real love. Don't talk to me about your emotions because your emotions don't carry you but so far. Mm -hmm. Because if you got the emotion to love, then the next emotion could be fear. <laughs> the next emotion could be joy. If you're led by your emotions and you're playing that realm, you're dancing. But see, God talks about fruit of the spirit, not of the flesh, not of the soul, of the spirit. Where you get the love, joy, peace. These things are fruit, real fruit. All right, uh, Ephesians 6 and verse 10, and it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not ours. Put on the whole armor of God that you may sit on the beach and have a good time. You guys see that there? Absolutely not. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? His tricks. You know, he's saying that we need this. So you see, God is, is telling us exactly what we're going to need to fight against this. The devil has many tricks. So if the devil was a nobody and all we had to do was just believe that, you know, Jesus is this and that. Why is he telling us to put on the armor? That obviously tells us we need this to be able to go, to be able to do. We have verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. The Greek word there for principalities is arche. That's where we get the word archon. And it's talking about otherworldly beings. These are spiritual beings. This is not a physical battle that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. When you can say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and people will overlook that and put their own spin on what these things are. Against powers. The Greek word there is the word um, uh, exousia, you know, which is talking about um, powers that are authorities, you know, that we deal with. So you see, there's a spiritual component behind everything. Then he says, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, that word for rulers of the darkness, that word is cosmocrata. So it's talking about world rulers. So if we be in Christ, eventually, why do you think when Jesus came that the devil met Jesus himself? Because the devil was the only one at that point who could somewhat contend with him. He couldn't really do anything. But you see, the devil himself came to see a child of God. I mean, well, see the son of God because he knew, hey, there's no other principalities or powers that can deal with this guy. He couldn't either, but he was too proud. So it says the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, now he's saying, because you know this, because you know about all that was just said, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. So what does that mean? Without it, we'll get crushed. Then he says, and having done all to stand. So he's saying that even with this armor, we're going to take blows and get hit in the evil day. But, but, but with that, we will have all that we need to stand. We got to endure. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, you know, a lot of people would think, well, what's the big deal with that? He's girding up his loins. I got everything else on. Why would that be a problem? It's no wonder when the Lord tells Timothy about what a bishop should be like, what a pastor should be like. He tells them these things about being blameless because if you've got blame or sin in your life, the devil can use it against you. So all he's got to do is defame you by the life that you live, and that can destroy you. That can destroy your reputation. But when he says, gird up your loins with truth, 
You want to have the truth all inside of you because we're entering into an age where no one is going to believe in Jesus. And you better know this word for yourself that you might know the truth and be able to stand in that day. But we've got to have our loins gird up. We need the truth through and through. We need Jesus pouring out of our ears, if so need be, that we are bursting forth with his truth. Yeah, bro. Sorry. So then he says, um, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, you know, I believe that this goes directly over the heart. And that's why he talks about having a pure heart, asking for things in the right spirit, having the heart of Christ. That's what's going to endure because God will be pleased. The first thing he does with a sinner, he changes his heart. And that breastplate is so that the heart may maintain, be not involved in any unrighteous works, but to pursue God. And that means even filthy business we're not supposed to be in. The Lord took me from that three years ago. I used to work around the hotel and I didn't, I, I like to, um, you know, when the club, you know, they had their little club thing going on and I'm like, well, um, I can let people in the back door, you know, when they ask and they tip me and I'm making the money and the Lord is blessing me. The Lord had to tell me, no, that's not the way I give with you being involved in something that corrupt. So he had to take that from me, but there was still a little bit of lust there that was trying to make money by any means, you know, not like peddling or anything, but, you know, it's just something that we need to be made whole in righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Why a lot of people don't walk and preach the gospel is for this reason right here. They have not been prepared in the word of God. That gospel of peace is that good news that should surround every believer. But half the time, we are worried about our own problems. You see what happens when you give it to the Lord and he's actually living in you and walking in you? That you, all you can think about is that gospel that peace that comes over you, that you get to minister Jesus. And a lot of people, let's just be real, most Christians don't know the word of God. Most of them don't. I've seen them be taken apart on the street corner by Muslims that they tried to minister to. Muslims will tell you when your Bible was made. I'm not saying everything they say about it is true, but I've seen in a lot of cultures, a lot of people will know the Bible more than the so-called Christian himself. These are things that God wants us to be prepared for and having a readiness to answer questions. Mm -hmm. The Bible will defend itself. Amen. Above all, taking on the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, you know, let's just give an example. Carlin's about to go into something pretty big. I'm praying for him. You know, I hope that the Lord, you know, does what he can do with him. But let's just say, you know, Carlin, you're out there, you're ministering, you're doing whatever. And you may find people that don't like your doctrine, don't like what the word of God says. They're challenging you on it. And they may might even tell you, you're not even fit to do what you're doing. You've got to have the shield of faith to know that God is right to quench those fiery darts. Mm -hmm. Every day the devil comes at us and tries to tell us we're unworthy, we're this, we're that. It don't take all of that. Relax. God did it all. All those things, but you've got to have that shield of faith to say, you know what? I'm going to believe him because Jesus Christ is true. That's something that we've got to contend with. And those attacks will get real close in our lives. Those attacks will draw real close where, all right, I don't mind taking it from people in Bible study group. But now my wife or my mom is telling me something. Now there's another level of faith that I need to have. 
because certainly they love me. They wouldn't say anything that's against God. This is why we need a shield of faith. Now, if our shield of faith is like the size of this room, then praise be to God. But if it's the size of a dinner plate, then you wonder why you get blown around by every wind of doctrine. You've got to believe this word and walk in God's faith that the devil may not be able to penetrate. Sorry, bro. No, this is um, like, um, just like a cross-reference to the, in the word of, um, you said what Colin is about to get into. Mm-hmm. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, That's right. and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was, which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. That's right, Colossians 1, what, 23 to 20, mm-hmm. 25? 20, yeah. yeah, you know, that that's what I'm talking about, being rooted, grounded, and settled. Man, we've got to have Jesus in us. we got to be crazy about Jesus. I don't mean insane. I mean, like, you know, loving the Lord. He's got to be our everything. And take on the helmet of salvation. Now, this protects the mind. The thoughts that the enemy may throw at you, this is what we need. Because people are telling you there are different ways to salvation. There's only one way, and that's through Christ. And then he says, in the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Man, what a weapon to know this. Half the time we try and minister to people in our own wisdom. But, you know, let's quote some scripture. Because if we're dealing with demons that have people bound, only the Word of God is going to cut through. And I'm guilty of this. In many cases, I've gone and tried to do philosophy with people. Mm -hmm. Man, that mess don't work. Mm -hmm. They might, you know, engage you in a good conversation. But when it comes down to thus saith the Lord, and you're dealing with the demon that has this individual, hey, that spirit may back off. But that's the only chance we have is the sword of the spirit. Amen. Verse 18. A lot of people forget about this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we need each other's prayers. You know, we're all in the fight one way or another. We need to uplift one another and encourage one another in Christ. Because you see prayer, everything else is close range. But the prayer is a long range weapon. This is what we would call a missile. And that's why we got to stay down in the word of God and have hot prayers, prayers that can burn through to where you get the result of God. We need hot prayers, man. We need long range weapons launched. James said one day he was praying. You said that um, you, you got up from your sleep. Oh, yeah. I think and you were praying and he said he had a vision that Carlin was praying for him. Yeah. And remember, you know, and you probably were. But the point is, is that these are things that can happen. And I've got told Jesus, if you speak the word, it will be done. You don't have to come into my house. From where you are, if you speak the word, it will be done. And what did Jesus say? Greater faith than I've ever seen in Jerusalem or amongst his own people. I mean, it's all about what we believe. And this armor, I do believe, is spiritual, but I also believe it's physical. Because I think there are many cases where the enemy could have hit us in certain areas and he had no way in. Yeah. You don't know how that car missed you. You don't know how you got in that accident and made it through. You don't know how many times you might have done something. And, and I mean, the enemy was right there ready to take you. So we, it's good to recognize all that God does do for us. But what's bigger is the things that we don't even know that he does. Yeah. 
Every day the devil is trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And God is fighting off those things that we might do his work. Let's go to um, Exodus 23 and verse 20. You think he was describing a Roman soldier? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they were saying that, you know, because Paul was in the Roman Empire, that he was talking about how they would be. But if you notice, there's nothing for the back. So God right. doesn't want us to run. You know, he wants us to stand in faith and to do what he tells us to do. Nothing for the back. But just like those Roman soldiers, when they get together in a formation, mm -hmm. they can have shields in the front, shields up on top, mm -hmm. they can put their, their swords and spears out, mm -hmm. they can move as a unit. Oh, yeah. So the more you have, it's like you're, if you have all your Christians equipped, just like you, fully equipped, then mm -hmm. it's even better than... Man. Exactly. Amen. And see, that's the whole thing, too, is that when we come together, like we did a couple of weeks ago, and we were all praying, man, that spirit fell on all of us. I'm telling you, man, that's nothing compared to what God can really do for a group of believers. And that's why we've got to learn to be together in Christ, you know, and, and get these things are important because while each person is speaking or someone's bringing something, man, that's unity. Satan runs a kingdom and an army that is well-coordinated. The devil is not fighting you by himself. He's got demons. He's got things that will come to you and try and get your attention one way so he can hit you the other way. If we are in the army and the body of Christ, we need to be there for one another. And, you know, I'm learning that more and more. That's why I don't mind us going to dinners and lunches and doing things together. You know, it's good to be around believers because it also helps you know, you not hanging out with the enemy, that you are amongst your family, amongst your friends, people that when you're doing wrong, they'll call you on your stuff and tell you what you need to do right. We all need this. Or teach you how to fish. Exactly. So oh, one yeah. thing, I was, I was watching this, this show, about talked about the full armor of God, and they said how the mm -hmm. Roman soldiers, they had these spikes on their shoes, because they're kind of like sandals, you know? Mm -hmm. So this was for traction. It's also for like, you know, when you... You have somebody on the ground, you know, you put your foot right in there. Oh, yeah, so they wouldn't slide in the blood. Right, yeah. yeah. But it's pretty much wherever you go with these shoes, you know, you're, you're making marks. Mm -hmm. Marks of peace, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you're, you... That's right. Uh, and you're yeah, unshakable. Yeah, you're not being thrown off your feet. To, uh, being grounded. Yeah. Being, uh, like, unmovable. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. So this is um, Exodus 23. We're going to start at verse 20. We're going to take a look at the battlefield. So it talks about, behold, I send an angel before thee um, and to keep thee uh, in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. So this angel is a type of Holy Ghost because he's coming to bring them in unto the promised land. What, what would be the promise for us? Eternal life. Christ in you fully, you know. So this angel is watching over them to prepare a way for the children of Israel. Verse 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So he's telling you, beware of this spirit. He's going to talk to you. Obey his voice. Don't go beyond. This is why the Bible says in many cases, we get a, a, people get a seared conscience, because they go beyond what God is trying to tell them. So we got to beware of this angel. Well, the Holy Ghost is going to lead us. He says he's not going to pardon your transgression. So transgression is willful sin. Transgression is if you know a thing is wrong and you go and do it anyway, that's transgression. He's saying he's not going to pardon it. 
That's why when we do something wrong after having the Holy Ghost, he will grieve your spirit. He will make you think about things. You know, you're going to have a feeling of, oh, man, why did I do that? I got to go and apologize now or whatever. Well, that, that's what we have to do concerning the spirit. So then he says, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. So remember what Jesus Christ talked about concerning binding and losing. He said, if you be of the spirit, that which is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. That which is loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. If we obey Jesus Christ, then we're talking about having the angels of God or the Holy Ghost be an enemy unto our enemies. So we don't have to seek revenge. We don't have to do anything but follow the Lord. He will fight our battles for us, but we've got to obey the Spirit. Because a lot of people think, well, because I have the Holy Ghost, I can pretty much do whatever I want, and the Holy Ghost is going to be there. Hey, if we're not following the Spirit of God and what He tells us to do, then we're in the enemy's camp. We're not being led unto the place that is prepared for us because we're not listening. So he will fight our battles for us. He says, for mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. So what he's saying here is, you know, these were tribes of giants. He's saying, hey, I'm going to bring you guys in. So we got to understand, if we have the angel, if we've got the Holy Ghost, he's not going to take us away from battle. He's going to lead us unto battle, that the righteous works of God might be done. Now, in this time, they were giants. What are we dealing with now? Demons. Okay, demons are who we war with for Christ, that other people might be set free. So when we are full of the Spirit and we obey the voice of the Lord, He's going to lead us first to conquering inner space. Whatever is unrighteous in us, through sanctification, the Lord is going to move out of us. And then we're going to go and take the land that the giants have, that is standing in front of your inheritance that He wants you to deliver. So you see, God leads you in. So then He says, Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. So you see, when he leads us back into the world, like Jesus, remember? Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, fasted, full of the Spirit. What happened? He returned in the power of the Spirit. The first thing he did, go back to the place of his birth and let people know why he came. I came to set the captives free, to bind up the broken heart, preach the acceptable year of the Lord, heal them that are bruised. And what did the religious crowd do? They tried to kill him. They tried to throw him out on his head because they didn't want him. But the point is here, he's saying, hey, don't bow down to their gods. Now, we've got to ask ourselves on a daily basis, are we bowing to the beast and what we do? Is there any place in our lives that we might be bowing, that we're not giving it to the Lord, but we are conforming to the world? Let's just ask ourselves this. And then he says, don't bow down to their gods, nor serve them. What does that mean? That can have deeper significance than we know. So let's just stay where we are for now. Nor do after their works. So can you say in many cases the church today lives a lot like the world? I think it does. And I think in doing so, 
This is what's kind of disempowered the church to a degree, you know, because the church is living like the world. Mm -hmm. So then he says, and overthrow them and quite break down their images. Now, in those days in the Old Testament, what did they have? Images. What are we dealing with today in the New Testament? Imaginations. Okay, so when we deal with that, we have to, well, let's just continue and then I'm going to move forward. But it says, and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread. So if you serve the Lord, he will bless your bread and thy water, and will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. He said the number of their days. I will send my fear before thee, and destroy all the people of whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee, meaning they would run away. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. And I will drive them out from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. So what do we understand here? That God is, is wise enough to not take every, every bit of or demon or whatever, you know, that we might have when we're unsaved to come to him right away. Because he knows for every bit that he takes out, the spirit has to fill. Jesus said, when an unclean spirit comes out of a man, he walketh in dry places, seeking rest and finding none. But remember, he said that um, if, if the person's house is swept and garnished, then that demon will take seven other demons more wicked right. than himself. And the, the later state of the person will be worse than the first. Mm-hmm. So he says he will not take um, all of this away from them in one year, lest the beast of the field multiply against thee. So God does things in a slow, gradual pace. But when he is done with us, we will be soldiers fit to, to serve him. Mm-hmm. So then he says, um, by little and little, I will drive them out from thee. I mean, from before thee, until thou be increased and inherit the land. So we have to slowly go through this process of surgery. The Holy Ghost takes things out, things that are not of him, and he brings his spirit back upon us. You know, he increased the land until we are able to inherit it. So you see, this isn't the things that I'm talking about now. This isn't an overnight process. We have to let the Holy Ghost work with us, remove those things that are not of Christ, that he can increase in the land, and then we can inherit it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. If anyone wants to add anything, they can. Yes, amen. <laughs> I know everybody's like, I wish he would hurry up. Accept that. He said, "You thinking that?" The Sam will tell you straight up what he's thinking. I like that they said. I like that he said hornets, you know, before the enemies. Mm-hmm. And just like how their main defense is the sting, you mm-hmm. know, and a lot of people are allergic to that type of poison. It brings death. Mm-hmm. But it's just nice that we're so protected from that, and that sting has no effect on his people, you know. That's right. Or that death. That's right. Amen. This is 2 Corinthians um, 10. We'll start at verse 1, and it says, Now look how this parallels with what we just read. Mm -hmm. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you of Christ, 
who in presence and base among you and being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold uh, when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For if we walk in the flesh, we do not war. I mean, oh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Remember, they talked about breaking down images. Here he's talking about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Now, it's hard to find one place in society that doesn't do that. Whether it's scientific realm, politics, the education system, they all put their knowledge above the knowledge of God. But we've got to cast those things down and stay with what God is telling us. Then it says, in bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, how many of us can actually say that that's what we are doing? Have we brought every thought? Have we been so sensitive to the Spirit of God that we obey God's voice in everything that we do? And there ain't nothing to be ashamed of. That's just something to strive for. That having Christ in us, that every thought that we think will be obedient unto Christ. Man, you know, and that, that to me seems like the only way that we can truly live. Yeah. We've got to get to the point that every thought of ours is obedient unto Christ because that which is not of faith is what? It's sin. It's sin. You know, so that's something we got to think about. Yeah, bro. If I could add with mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, like how, how many of us can listen to the Holy Spirit? And, and, and when I hear that, the war that he's talking about is not outside mm -hmm. the world. Like, and we hope it's like that we imagine it like somebody just Starts, you know, going crazy, uh -huh. and it's like, oh yeah, we cast you out. But the real war is in your own house. That's right. When no one else is home, what are you eating? What are you doing? What are you? Where are you spending your time? Amen. The outside war is nothing compared uh -huh. to the war in your house. In fact, the man that can control himself uh -huh. is greater than the man that can take the whole city. Amen. And that's why we were saying he first begins in conquering inner space. Then he branches out. And look, the next verse says exactly what Sam is saying. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. So once our obedience is fulfilled and we be of Christ, then there's nothing that, you know, then the enemy can't do anything. We would truly be authentic. And we would, we would be ready to serve. No one's got to tell you to speak up for Jesus at this point. Because your obedience has been fulfilled. What is that? Christ fully formed in you. But you see, all this talk about warfare and things that we're going through and enduring, these are things that people ignore. But this is a huge part of a Christian's life. You know, well, let's go to um, Romans 13. And I'm going to pick, uh, after that, probably two other scriptures, and I'll close. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But I know it's like, you know, you, you would say, um, let's go to the scripture and I'm done. I'm done. 
Yeah, because there's sometimes, and maybe this is where the Lord has to check me too, but there are times I feel like I'm holding up the crowd. But then again, if we're being led by the Spirit, you know, then it's what the Spirit says and what the Spirit does. So that even shows you that at times I can be world or self-conscious and not God-conscious. That's a great point that you brought that up. See, these are things that we're all striving for. Even even when you might have a plan to do something or an idea, no. You know, you you might think, oh, I need to strengthen this right side because I know the devil's going to swing on the left. Mm -hmm. No, that doesn't mean that all the time. You're right. It's just being led by the Spirit. Absolutely. You're so right, bro. This is Romans 13, and this is verse 1. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So remember, he's talking also about spiritual gifts. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So we we can't resist the ordinance, meaning that word for power there would be exousia, meaning authority. If we go beyond the authority of God, you know, we can lead ourselves unto damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil... Be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So as Sam was talking about, and we were talking about, we agree that we first got to be able to obey the voice of God. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For four, he put four twice. For for this cause pay we tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, uh, fear, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love him, but to love one another. So that's the only thing that we owe people in this world is to love them. That's what we are. We are in debt to no man other than to love as as God tells us to love. And you see, this is another trick of the enemy where he snares us because the devil will redefine love and then throw it in your face. He'll say, oh, I thought you loved me. I thought you were a Christian. So why can't you come over tonight and hang out? And you know, if it's a woman, you're a worldly woman. So therefore, I'm staring out of the snare of the devil, and I'll say we can either have a phone conversation or I can come over there with one of my brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we can talk. Many people have been snared by this, getting caught in their emotions, being told something, oh, well, if you really do love and you're a man of God, you will agree to this. No, we only love them the way God tells us to love. Sounds like Satan when he says to Jesus, if you are a man of God. Exactly, exactly. That's that serpent tongue. So he says, uh, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly 
comprehend in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So it says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. You know that means preaching the gospel also, right? <laughs> Not only do you have good thoughts or feelings towards them and you want to help in many ways, what greater way can we help someone other than to introduce them to the King of Kings? Right. You know? Verse, uh, where am I? Verse 11. And that knowing the, and that knowing the time, that now it is, it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we have believed, than when we have, than when we believed. So he's telling people now to wake up, and that's what he says to the Ephesians: "Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Mm -hmm. See that you walk circumspectly, looking around, not as fools." but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So he's letting us know that as we're out there serving the Lord, we've got to awake out of our apathetic slumbers and see things for what they are. Ask for the spiritual eyes of Jesus Christ. Walk and believe him. But he's saying, man, pay attention to everything. Don't, don't fall victim to things that you think are no big deal. So as we've read all these scriptures so far, it seems like to me, we can't afford to take our salvation for granted. Like, this is serious business. And the devil comes in many snares, and look at what he says. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, that word for rioting is like reveling, and drunkenness, not in chambering, that means living with somebody not married, and wantingness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Don't give the flesh an excuse. Don't give the flesh away. You know, believe that you can walk in the spirit with Christ and have him work on you to fulfill the lust thereof. So if we don't walk in darkness, we've got the armor of light. And that light is none other than Jesus Christ. And that's how we need to walk. First uh, Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, I think it should be. Uh, yeah, First Corinthians 9. And uh, verse 16. We're almost done. Yeah. It's like three short scriptures and two short ones. First uh, Corinthians 9, we're going to begin at verse 16. And this is what Paul says. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So he's saying, hey, there's no glory in preaching the gospel for me. But if I preach not the gospel, woe unto me. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will... A dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Now, this is true because even as it was in the Old Testament, as it is now for us, that things have to be given as a free will offering. You cannot make somebody come and serve the Lord. And this is what I believe you guys were talking about earlier in terms of wasting time. Mm -hmm. You can't make somebody want Jesus, you know. We see this um, scripture, scripture be fulfilled in what Paul is saying. Mm -hmm. uh, for though I preach the gospel. 
us again. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For mm-hmm. necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we see that being fulfilled in Jonah when mm-hmm. he was uh, called to preach against the city of Nineveh. Mm-hmm. That's right. And when he didn't do it, he was punished. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he ended up all the way down. He started in the mountain, down in the valley, and then to the fish's mouth for three days. So you want to obey the Lord. That's a great point. For what is my reward then? Verily that I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Now he talked about in 1 Corinthians 8, when he says that we are not to give um, grudgingly or of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible's not against offering, but we got to understand something about tithing. That is an old agricultural law. That's not preached anywhere in the New Testament. Okay, so you can give offering. A cheerful giver may give more, but a tithe commands that you give 10%. That is of the law. That is not of the, of the spirit. And you know, so a cheerful giver may give more, but it's all about, you know, Paul saying not abusing his power. Now, you know, you're not going to try and earn anything for this. Man, the gospel in preaching and in serving the Lord is its own reward. That's right. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. So Paul, even with full of the Holy Ghost, made himself a servant that he might gain more people. But see, we've got to see ourselves as servants. Many times we come to people as a superhero. Da, 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 da. You know, I have the spirit, so now I'm going to try and talk to someone else about this or whatever. But how many times have we ever served? Have we ever really made ourselves available that people might, might you know, gain more? Mm-hmm. So that's why Paul says he became a servant to all that he may gain them. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews and to that are under uh, and to them that are under the law as under the law. Now, what does Paul mean here? Does it mean that he was out sacrificing bullets and doing all that stuff? No. Remember in the book of Acts, Paul went into the synagogues on the Sabbath days to reason with these people about the scriptures. Mm-hmm. As we can understand, he became all things to all men because he was trying to win people, not because he was worshiping those things himself or partaking in sin. So he wasn't doing anything like that. All right, so he says um, that I might gain them of the law and to them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So you notice he said he became all things to all men by all means that he might save, not all, some. Why? Because there are, there are some that will believe and there are some that won't. We've also got to understand this. Don't look at the numbers that you get as far as trying to minister to people as failure. Your faithfulness to God is what's most important. God deals with the result. We might minister to people. Some people might believe. They may find Jesus as a reward. You know, all glory be to the Lord. But if they should not choose to accept it, then it's a witness against them. Either way, you are to be faithful. But a lot of times we try and preach the gospel of Jesus, but then we want to control the result as well. We want people to see it like the way we see it. We want people to be saved when we want them to be saved. 
But that's not what it's about. And then he says, for this I do the, for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race are run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you might obtain, you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it uh, to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So we're doing this that we might have Jesus Christ. I mean, and you know, the uncorruptible crown is something that God can give you that no carnal physical world can take away from you. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So he's making clear, he's not just swinging and missing at the air. He's being led by the Spirit that every work that he might do may be fruitful. The only way that we can have fruitful works is that we obey the Spirit of God. Who he tells us to speak to, we speak to. When he tells us to pray, we pray. When he tells us to go, we go. And see, those are things that the physical carnal world will not allow you to do. There are times I've been at work and the Lord is telling me, hey, I want you to go here. And I'm like, well, I'm off at 3.30. And it's like 1 o'clock. So how do I obey the spirit conforming to the world? You can't, you know? And then he says in 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So what is Paul doing as a soldier? Buffeting his body and preparing. He says that he can preach the gospel and he himself become a castaway. That's something to think about. If an apostle of Jesus Christ is telling you that he can't even take his salvation for granted, then who are we to think that it's no big deal? Exactly. He's saying, I got to keep up under this body because the flesh can come back on you. So that's important for us to know. Um, I'm going to finish in Romans 8, but um, look at um, 1 Corinthians 15 in your spare time because when he says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? That means that, you know, Paul was able to overcome those things that most people fear because he was of Christ. He says it right here um, in verse 54. This is 1 Corinthians 15 and 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass uh, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So, you know, we're not supposed to fear anything, and that includes even death. Mm -hmm. When he says death, where is your sting? Death has no dominion over you. It's got no power over you. Like death, you're supposed to scare everybody, not me. Because my home is eternal life. My mind is out of this place and is one with Christ. So, man, when even death can't put you down, man, that's what it's all about in serving the Lord. And I think also says that Jesus took this thing out of death, too. That's right. It says in 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Did he say sometimes abounding? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So he's saying as you labor for Christ, as you're led by the Spirit, God is letting you know 
Your works are not in vain. So we may as well sell the farm and give the Lord all that we have. Why? Because he will pay back with interest that we can't even pay in the first place. We've got to give the glory to God. Uh, Romans 8 and 35, and we are done. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, somebody's upset. Yeah, I, was, I was waiting for that quote to come out, that saying. Mm-hmm. Which one is Romans 8 and 35. And everybody loves this one. <laughs> Romans 8 and 35. It says that death is sin, right? Mm-hmm. Sin fully evolved as He said the sting of death is sin. You know what I imagine with that? And I don't, I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm glad you brought that up because my mind was on it, but I'm trying to hurry up and get everybody out of here. But when he says the sting of death is sin, that means the fear of death is sin. You know, so therefore, exactly. So you would conform to the things that death has dominion over, which is the world or temporal life, and that can be said. I'm telling you, it's death that really keeps us from serving the Lord. That is the ultimate fear that people have. But if you be in Christ, like Christ, man, death don't have a sting. When that guy pulled the gun out on Henry Groover and said, I'm going to blow your brains out, Henry Groover said, you can't kill me. I'm already dead in Jesus. (laughs) That guy was terrified. I think he dropped the gun. He started trembling after that. There was a woman that got um, robbed in the Walmart parking lot. Yeah, old lady. That, yeah. You guys seen that yeah, video? And lady. the guy said, women, give me your stuff or whatever. She said, I just want you to know one thing. If you pull that trigger, I'll go to heaven and you'll go to hell. And that guy started getting scared and he broke down crying. And she said, look, she ministered to him, then gave him her last $10 in her, um, in her bag. And the guy wept off sorely, like, you know, but that's the power of God, man. When the devil can't put fear over you of death, when they say, man, I'm going to pull the trigger. And you say, oh, you promise? Because, hey, sudden death, sudden glory, I get to be with the Lord. And, and maybe through this, you may feel bad enough that you might give your life to Christ. Man, that's what it's all about. And that older woman, man, she's going to be remembered for that in heaven. Exactly, exactly. Young Stephen said, Lord, lay this not to their charge. They were bashing his head in, you know, biting on him like dogs, doing things to him. He said, Lord, lay this not to their charge. And what did Jesus do? He stood up on the right hand of the Father and saluted that boy home. Welcome home. Look uh, look at, um, where is that? That's Acts 7. Yeah. But, you know, they said the Lord himself saluted Stephen. Welcome home. He didn't say, well, Stephen, you're only 20 years old. You got a whole life to live. Hey, the Lord wants us to do what we need to do while we're here and get the job done. That's right. Man, that must be how awesome eternal life is that, man, it ain't about old age. It's about getting in where you can get in. And that's what I want. I'm like, Lord, if I am ready... Take me in my sleep if need be. At least I know I won't have to worry about eternal life. That's, right. That's the thing that I'm wearing. When my time comes, let my ship come and I get in. I'm not going to fool around here and do something dumb, you know, and end up missing out. I want to catch this boat. All right, this is Romans 8 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now this is true. 
Because we are to obey the Lord. How do we serve the Lord? We do what he did. We lay our lives down. Why? That the brethren might get saved. This is a soldier of Jesus. We don't respond in violence. So it says in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, for I am persuaded. Who's persuaded here? Paul. A lot of people read this scripture and they're not even persuaded of it. These words mean nothing to you unless you believe it. What Paul is proclaiming here in the spirit is what he believes. But some people will say, yeah, um, Paul said, yeah, but do you believe that? That's what's important. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, some people may read that and say, well, we're once saved, always saved then. No, you're not. Because you can't separate, you can't get God to get his, I mean, no one can take you out of God's hand. But you yourself can choose to walk out of God's hand. God does not override your free will. If you choose to leave and God holds you beyond your will, that would make God evil. And we know that he's not. God gives us a free will that we may love him and be with him. So if we be in Christ, we are more than conquerors. He didn't say we're conquerors. Let's understand this. We are more than conquerors. What is that? Jesus. So if we be in him, we're more than conquerors. We are sons and daughters of a king, and he intends for every single person in here to live up to their godly inheritance. Why? Because God's will needs to be done. Amen. So as, as soldiers, let's endure hardness for someone you know is going to pay back with interest. And I'm not talking about some, you know, have your best life now. I'm talking about eternal life. I'm talking about love so deep that no one can, ter can deter you from, from doing God's will because you won't fear. Let's believe God. What have we got to lose? Is our, are our lives so perfect even with all some of us have and don't have? Are our lives so perfect that we can't give God everything? Come on, man. There's nothing but disappointment in this life. Let's give it to him and let's see what he can really do so that we can bring in a harvest like no other time. Because that's what the commander, the king of kings and lord of lords, desires for us right. and from us. So I just want to tell people out there with that, I love you. Let's be soldiers of Christ. Let's do what we are called to do. Of course, this is a stage of growing in grace. But let's give it all to Jesus that he might be glorified. Alright, I have everyone go to Mark 6 and verse 45. Now this is when, we've gone over this story numerous times, so it's not a new story or anything, but it's something when I was reading it, I didn't really pick up on this, ex what I'm going to read until uh, reading it a couple of days ago. Mark 6 and 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethesda, while he sent away the people. 
And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. So one thing I picked up with this verse right here is, is that, if you can picture it, Jesus is up on this mountain, and his disciples are in the midst of the sea alone. So it's just him and his disciples in the ship in the midst of the sea. So picture that. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. So he's watching them, as it says here, toiling with their rowing, because the sea was contrary. How many times in our own lives are we like the disciples here on the sea, where Jesus is watching what we're doing, and we are, you know, we can even say when we're saved, or when we can say when we were not saved, we're doing this number here, like, because we're not, we're going nowhere fast in a hurry. And there's all this storm around us, and Jesus is watching us go through this, and he wants to take us out of these stormy conditions in our lives. But as we read the rest of this here, it says, walking upon the sea, and he would have passed by them. So, in other words, he almost walked directly past them. And a lot of people in their lives, he's walking on the sea to come to them, and they've got their blinders on. They don't want to see him. So what happens? He goes next, goes on to the next person. Verse 49, But when they saw him walking upon the sea... They supposed that it had been a spirit and cried out. So some people who have never heard of Jesus Christ before, they, they get an experience in their life. He's coming to them. They don't know what it is, so they think it's some spirit or some higher power or whatever because they don't know what it is. And that's why we as his ministers or we as his servants tell people about Jesus Christ, like tonight being soldiers, so that way they, they get it right. They know that it's not some false doctrine. It's not some uh, something that you can obtain by some breathing exercises or anything like that. It's only by trusting in him. Verse 50. For they saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And that's another thing Jesus Christ does. Is if, if we pray unto him, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, in the midst of everything that's going on around us, that's that peace and that joy that we have, that he's going to come unto us and tell us that. Like, hey, no matter what you got going on in your life, I am here and I'm going to deliver it from you, but be of good cheer, I am, he I am here. Verse 51, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. So even though he had already done this in their life, he had already showed them, hey, uh, with the, the, you know, the, the five loaves and the two fish, everything like that. And that's a lot of things. Sometimes that can happen in our own lives. The, the Lord does things for us, and we're going along, and everything's going great. And all of a sudden, when trouble comes along, oh, we forget. We already forgot that he's paid our bills for us. We already forgot that the car got fixed. When other things come along, we have to stay focused 
on the Lord in everything that we do so that way he can continue to instill that peace in us and that we that way we we can give it to others we can give the truth to others which is only Jesus Christ that's um, that's just like uh, the people going through the wilderness too mm-hmm. like he, he led them through but they still kept looking back they couldn't they were supposed to keep looking forward in Christ Jesus but they just could not you know break that off of them and continue in the Lord yeah, exactly. Well, you're right. Those are times I've even felt bad when, you know, you start to doubt the Lord. You ever like doubt some things and the Lord, you can hear his voice say, Why did you doubt? Mm-hmm. He's never said those words to you when you're like, Yeah. Man, I I knew you were gonna come through, but why did I doubt you at this one moment? Like oh, yeah. you know, it just makes you feel like, Lord, I won't do that again. But of course there'll be <laughs> something that you'll begin to doubt. But he's trying to take that from us. Let us know who he is. It's a good example to like look at the past and now, but it's like it makes you wonder. Those guys were with Jesus. Like they shouldn't be acting like this. They're like, what is wrong with them? It's like this guy does miracles. He, it's like he's right there with them, and he walks right by them in the sea, and they're like, oh. like. You'd be expecting that at that point. It's like, shoot, there's a lot of wind. Where's Jesus? It's true, but that just tells you the power of the carnal mind. You you can see it and still not be. Yeah, we have the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and we've seen miracles, and we're still like, oh, wait, was that you, Lord? Exactly. Come on, man. Go ahead, sorry. It's like, yeah, they they did have him first, like he appeared to them first, Mm -hmm. the disciples, and they didn't get it. And he told them, um, some of these things that you you won't understand until after I'm gone. It's like can the can the children uh, mourn if they have the bridegroom? Can they can they um, uh, can they do these particular things if I'm with mm-hmm. them? No, mm-hmm. like they don't have to fast right now. But afterwards, when I'm gone, they will have to do these things. Mm-hmm. All these things then will be manifested to them, and then they will have to do it. Really so in this time when they had Jesus first, the second time afterwards when he was gone, then they have to do it mm-hmm. themselves, and then they got it. So a lot of times it's, it's the same. It's similar. It's like um, some some things, some messages that we get, uh, we don't get it in that moment until after you know that particular person is gone from us, from our from our life, and then right. we get it. We get see, it afterwards. Me looking back at this and putting myself in those guys' shoes, it's like, like what was wrong with them? Right from the faith you've already got <laughs> right. now, and then it's like just to see it, you know. But that's why he says, "Greater is it is one who sees it." Who yes. believes and doesn't see yeah. mm-hmm. versus one who does. Sorry, yeah, right. Corwin is like... <laughs> I got something to say about it, too. I, I was enjoying it, but I, you know, I'm just thinking about it, too, like how we sometimes just take advantage of our grace, you know, and, mm-hmm. like, us not seeing him. But, like, just imagine if you could see Jesus tomorrow, you know, like, oh, I'll just, like, run up to him and say, I'm sorry tomorrow, you know, like, mm-hmm. God, like, Jesus, forgive me, you know, mm-hmm. and just Most knowing how good he is. like, oh, man, I'm not ready. You know, <laughs> but it's true. You're right, bro. I'm so right. All right. Um, Galatians four and eight. Four and eight. 
don't know why. I just forward, feel like super led to prayer right now. Amen. Are you guys okay? Yeah. You feel that? Yes, bro. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to welcome you in here, Lord. We know that you're already here, Father, but thank you so much for putting your spirit heavily upon us, Father. And Lord, I just feel your fervence right now, and I just pray that whatever's going on, Lord, if it's a warning, Lord, if it's something good to come, I just pray that it'll be manifest, Lord Jesus. And Father, thank you so much, Lord, for just pouring out your spirit into this ministry, Father. This is such a blessing for us to have, Lord, and be able to share you and walk in your ways and your truth, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, I'm asking right now, if there's anything not of you, Lord, I just pray that it be bound and cast out, Father. Yes, Jesus. And, Lord, just bring your spirit on full force and let it run and pour through all of us, Lord, as we come together in unity and close out this study, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Jesus, Jesus. Amen. 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 Howbeit then, when ye not when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. How turn ye again unto the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you the labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye, ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despise not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. So that just kind of goes along, too, with our not being entangled with the affairs of this world. But truly, going forward, now that we know him, you know, and once we catch the Holy Ghost, it's impossible to turn back, right? Because he pulls us forward. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? So it's interesting because we talk about that love, you know, and whatever it means and how much that is just thrown around these days. But I think about the verse that says, a good friend will lay down his life for a friend, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what Paul's saying, like the love that they had for him, that they would literally give him their own eyes to be able to see. Mm -hmm. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And of course, this is how it is, right? We serve Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ and, you know, everyone that isn't with that, that is, you are the enemy, you know? Mm -hmm. So Christ is stumbling block he's a rock he's a fence you know but us who stay grounded and rooted we can't really be offended in christ right well we know he said it we must obey you're right amen they zealously affect you but not well 
Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So, Christ being formed inside of us. It's a laboring process that we go through. And it says, it is good to be zealous, affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. It's the same with God, except he's always with us, right? Mm -hmm. But as for us, not just in Bible study, not just in church, that's who we are. There's no separate life. And Christ being fully formed in us, whatever it takes, that nutrition of staying fed inside of his word. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? All right, I'm going to have you guys skip over to five. Galatians 5? Mm-hmm. Okay. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty, therewith Christ hath made us free, and not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So we're children of liberty now. And of course, temptations and things like that are going to appear. I mean, they appeared for Jesus, right? They're going to appear to us. We're, we're not exempt from those temptations. That's right. But even though that those temptations arise, not saying we'll be perfect every time, but that's what the Holy Spirit is for. And it says God will provide a way for us to escape. So who mm-hmm. says that we can't that's escape right. it every time, right? That's if right. we choose to fall, follow him, no matter how hard it is, no matter what that stronghold is, it doesn't matter. Nothing stronger than God. Right. And if you're staying in that Holy Spirit, those strongholds come down. Mm-hmm. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So through this spirit of God is our only way. We can't fulfill the law. We can't. We just can't do that. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you, that ye should not obey the truth. This, persecu- this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So not making room for the devil at all in our lives right and that's again not entangling ourselves with the affairs of this world so i have confidence in you through the lord that you will be none none otherwise minded but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be and i brethren if i yet preach circumcision why do i yet suffer persecution then is the offense of the cross cease yeah right I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. So we've been called into freedom. Only use not liberty for the occasion of the flesh. So we use our liberty to walk as free people. If we start sinning again, following our flesh again, we're no longer free. We're snared by that sin. Mm -hmm. But by love, serve one another. For all the love, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, 
Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So, following the Spirit, it's our only way to God, right? That's our only way to fight off sin, because we can't do it because they are literally opposing forces going at each other. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lefficiousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and mm-hmm. such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's right. Amen. Look at that. I mean, almost anything with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life can be in that list of the works of the flesh. You know, anything that is not of God is of the devil. So we just got to pray that we grow in grace, we get stronger in Christ, that he helps us see things for what they are, and that we might be obedient soldiers unto Christ. You know, so, all right, who's going to pray out tonight? No one has anything to add, any prayer requests for anybody? Or, hmm? In Jesus' name, thy most holy name, O gracious Lord, Thank you, Lord. the great shepherd that keepeth the sheep, the great high priest, we bow before thee, O Lord our God. Thank you, Holy Son of God, for bringing us into this day that you have made. And we pray, Holy Son of God, with the breath of life that you've given us. Teach us, O gracious Lord, that we use this breath of life aright, breath of life aright unto thee, that we bring up thy name unto glory and worship thee in spirit and in truth. Place thy word in us, Holy Son of God, that we go about as vessels fit for you to use, that we go about, Holy Son of God, preaching that word and that gospel into the ears of others, even into the ears of many. Thank you, Jesus, gracious God, for the strength that you give unto thy people, that you manifest and reveal your power and your glory to those that believe on thy name. Teach us, Jesus, to go out and to be as fishers of men and to gather those into thy name, that we may gather more and more into thee to worship you as brethren and being members in the body of Christ. Help us, Holy Son of God, to walk righteously according to thy will and according to thy power and thy glory. Thank Teach you. us, Jesus, your ways. And let, let us have the mind of, of believing in na- of, of thy nature, in, in keeping our hearts and our mind on you, feeling always as we wake up to praise you in the daytime, praise you in the midday, and praise you in the evening, and even in our rest, even in our dreams, that we worship you and praise you. you our members, your will, our mind, your will, your will, all, all, of, all, all things around us, that we keep our hearts and our mind on you, that we remain mindful. All those who are not attendant in here today, we, we consider in our prayers. Yes, Help Lord. us, Holy Son of God, to provoke one another to love and to yes, Jesus Christ, even to preach that gospel. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus Our name. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debt. Forgive us our debt 
as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.